Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Best Pictures Podcast. My name's Ian, and this is Maggie. And on this episode, we're doing the 27th Best Picture winner on the waterfront. This is a 1954 crime drama directed by Elia Kazan, who directed one of our previous Best Picture winners, A Gentleman's Agreement. I can see the similarities. Yep. Um, And it was written by Bud Schulberg. It stars Marlon Brando and Eva Marie Saint in her film debut. Which was a spectacular debut, can I just say? (laughs) Oh, yeah. No, she's absolutely wonderful in it. It was partially inspired by Crime on the Waterfront by Malcolm Johnson, which was a series of articles published in November and December of 1948 that talked about kind of the crime boss corruption on Mm -hmm. the New Jersey waterfront. Uh, Those articles actually won a Pulitzer Prize in 1949 for like best local reporting. There were also some individual stories that inspired the characters and the screenplay and... um, but uh, Schulberg actually like went to some hearings for like the Waterfront Commission, like Crime Commission and stuff like that. Oh, that's and cool. I think if you remember, if I'm remembering correctly, and if you also remember this, the there is a reporter in the movie who is writing or trying to write the story of the corruption on the waterfront. So that kind of that's is woven in, in a little bit. <laughs> yeah, in, in kind of a very nice way. So buckle in. We are about to go through awards and nominations, and there are a lot, <laughs> unsurprisingly. <laughs> Elia Kazan won for Best Director. Marlon Brando won for Best Actor. Eva Marie Saint won for Best Supporting Actress. So talk about killer film debut. Amazing. Win an, an Oscar, Oscar for, for it. it. Oh, geez. And she deserved it so much. She like, really did. I like per- Hands down. Performances like, through the roof on this one. Yes. For the first time, there were three nominations in the Best Supporting Actor category. So Lee J. Cobb, who played uh, Johnny Friendly, our crime boss, your friendly neighborhood crime boss. Carl Malden, who played The Priest, was Mm. nominated. And Rod Steiger, who played uh, the brother Charlie, was nominated. So all of them, I think, deserve those nominations. None of them won. Oh, but it was a stacked category. It it really (laughs) was. Come on. Yeah. they won for Best Art Direction, Black and White Set Design. Boris Kaufman won for Best Black and White Cinematography, which... Oh, good. Who I have a note. I think, like, one of my first... No- I think my first note is, oh, my God, this score. And I think my second note is, damn, these camera angles. <laughs> so... Yeah, like all of it. Well, oh, and yeah, the yeah, lighting, too. Yeah, like, no, no, no. It was... Again, I, I we sort of talked about this in From Here to Eternity, but I definitely missed well, it's like you can play with color and color, and you can somewhat play with contrast and color, but you really get to play with contrast in black and white. Well, and there's like a starkness to it and a grittiness mm-hmm. to it, which like so goes with this story. Uh, last couple of nominations and wins. So one for best film editing, and the score was nominated but did not win. Oh, I Leonard know. went so hard, and he did not have to, <laughs> and we all benefited from it. Oh, That's yeah. All I'm it's actually his only original <laughs> film score that wasn't adapted from like a stage production with songs. Huh. Good to know. And I kind of am like, Leonard, why did you not do more of this? Because I loved it. (laughs) I'm not going to lie. There were like two parts where I was like, this is a little too much. But because of the like work as a whole, I was willing to forgive it. (laughs) Yeah. like I mean, it's a heavy handed work, but it's a heavy handed subject. So I'll take a heavy handed score. Exactly. Exactly. So. Um, So. Oscars are not the only recognitions that this has gotten. We always talk about our American Film Institute list. So this was originally number eight on their like best movies. And it dropped to number 19 on the revised list. So they did like an initial list in 1997. And they did a revised list in 2007. Well, I mean, it's still up in the top of there. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's still still up there. Terry Malloy, the main character, is ranked number 23 on AFI's Heroes and Villains. The... Quote, you don't understand. I could have had class. I could have been a contender. I could have been something instead of a bum, which is what I am. Is their number three quote? I could have been a contender. Oh, yeah. Everyone knows that one. Everyone knows that <laughs> yeah, one. Yeah. When that, I, I had a minor freak out when I heard that because I was like, oh, I know where this comes from. Now. <laughs> I recognize this. Even, even after I was doing my Brando impressions like all last night during dinner. Oh, well, you, really I watched one. it before you were doing the impression. Okay, so. <laughs> yeah, I was doing my really bad Brando impression, which I will spare the listeners of our podcast. 
I think you already went into it when you I'm going to perfect quote. it for the uh, Godfather. Oh, no, no, no. I just did the, the A's on the ends of coulda and contenda, but I didn't do my, <laughs> my full brando. <laughs> I was well, n- we'll save it for the Godfather. Oh, yeah, we'll save it for the Godfather because you know I'm doing it for the Godfather. Well, I mean, you got to leave the gun and take the cannoli, we'll, Maggie. We'll eat cannolis and pasta and drink one. Oh, we I'm do that so excited. You. It is number 22 on AFI's top film scores. So again, thank you, Understandably. Leonard. And number 36 on AFI's 100 Cheers. So that's like their feel-good movies, which most of those movies have some very dark stuff. But just the end inspires you. Well, and that's exactly what happened with this film, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. Like, it was pure of, like, the plebeians rising up against the patrician overlords. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> so it was great. Yeah. So other nominees from that year, The Cane Mutiny, The Country Girl, Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, which is a personal favorite of us. But I, yeah, this this deserves the win over Seven Brides it, for Seven Brothers. Does. I love Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. But, but it's like, kind of cotton candy in comparison. It is <laughs> visual. Like, it is eye candy. It is ear candy. It is feel-good candy. But it is not, It, I, yeah, yeah, it's not this. Did not it's not on one. the waterfront. <laughs> Um, it is the third film to receive five acting nominations, so the others would have been All About Eve and I think Mrs. Miniver. And I am okay with both of those yeah, being so. in the same category. Oh, yeah, Slash yeah. it being in the same category Gloria's as both, both of those. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Brando's win in this was like the culmination of four consecutive Best Actor nominations. Whoa. Yeah. And he was actually like the Dark Horse winner. People did not expect him to win. Bing Crosby was favored for The Country Girl. And apparently Brando was like a huge upset. And it's one of those things where it's like, okay, that is probably one of the best upsets in Oscar history. Like, Also, I, I love Bing, but I love his singing more than his acting. I've never seen The Country Girl, <laughs> so I can't. Like, He's not I a bad actor, but like the, he, Brando was so spectacular. Yeah. Well, and it makes me happy that they had Eva Marie Saint in the best supporting actress category because mm-hmm. she won because Grace Kelly won for The Country Girl, which again, I have not seen The Country Girl. I'm not a huge Grace Kelly fan. And, like, I just can't imagine her being that great. Well. She robbed Judy Garland of her Oscar for A Star is Born, which is, I know, one of, like, considered one of the biggest robberies in Oscar history. Also, fun Grace Kelly fact. gay hell? (laughs) (laughs) That's all I'm going to (laughs) say. It's true. Uh, Kind of, you know, I guess this is me ragging on Grace Kelly hour right now, but she was actually initially, um, I believe, offered the part of uh Edie but she went and filmed Hitchcock's Rear Window instead and Rear Window is one of my favorite movies and she's mm-hmm. she's fine in it but that's probably the best I'll ever say for Grace Kelly's acting but she's fine in it because Jimmy Stewart's amazing well he's always amazing anyway as that's not what this thought that's not what this episode is about so I'll stop <laughs> uh sorry to any Grace Kelly fans out there and uh just fun Oscars fact Dorothy Dandridge that year became the first African-American actress to receive a best actress nomination oh nice yeah. So I think that is it for background and we can jump straight into watch notes. Sounds good to me. So, you know, as I stated earlier, this is based on um, kind of some true reporting around uh, crime on the waterfront, but it really centers <clears throat> on Brando's character of Terry Malloy, who is an ex prize fighter and basically threw a big match at the behest of Friendly Johnny or Johnny Friendly. It's Johnny Friendly, right? It's Johnny Friendly. friendly. But I mean, he's also Friendly Johnny. Is he so friendly? friendly? It's Um, a misnomer. Yes. Um, (laughs) But because uh, Terry's older brother, Charlie, is like Johnny's right-hand man. Mm -hmm. Um, And he told Terry to take the fall, and Terry did. And now he's stuck being a longshoreman and not a contender. No, he's just there. He's a bum. Being... (laughs) That's what he, his whole thing is that That's he's his like, literal quote. yeah, he Where calls himself a bum all the time. Mm-hmm. And um, it's him struggling because he's now also kind of doing dirty work for Johnny Friendly. Mm-hmm. It's him struggling with, is he doing the right thing? Is he not? Well, and I think he knows that he's not, but he's, he's struggling with the familial connections. Well, it's because I think up until that point, yeah, he, well, one, he, he's got a lot of love for his brother. And two, I think up until that point, like, he didn't have a reason. He didn't feel he had a reason to go against this. He was like, this is what I am. I'm a bum. I mm-hmm. work for this guy. And then... Well, and of- it's established that they, he has no parents. He yeah. has no siblings other than Charlie, who, again, is Friendly's right-hand man. Yeah. And so this is, like, his life. That's and then all there his, is. you know, 
his connection to Edie and his relationship with Edie gives him something to like actually stand up for. Yes, which I I loved that that was the connection. So the film opens with Johnny the Terry, film opens not Johnny, with some amazing Bernstein score. Oh yeah, I think my note there is instant mood. <laughs> oh, it's so amazing. <laughs> um, so yeah, so the between the cinematography and the lighting and like the dark grittiness of the whole and they've thing. got the like very drastic camera angles exactly with terry kind of running over to um Edie's brother oh what is his name again joey joey thank yeah. you so it opens um, we were at night we see terry um kind of come off the docks with these like well-dressed thuggish looking guys so mm-hmm. uh johnny friendly's crew which we later find out. And he goes to like this big apartment building and you can tell that it's not a great area of town. Actually, this movie was completely shot on location in Hoboken, New Jersey. Oh, nice. Over only 36 days. And they like actually filmed like at the docks and in the slums and at Uh the bars and the alleys. So like you really get that gritty realism, which is very much a Kazan. It's very much a Kazan thing. Uh Um, And we get that he's outside the apartment. He's calling to this guy, Joey. And he's like, I have one of your pigeons because the guy like raises pigeons. And I think like ra- maybe races them or something. Yeah. I yeah. think that's, well, they, it seems like they all race pigeons on yeah, the side yeah. and raise them just because. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But anyway, so he's calling up to Joey and he's like, I'll, you know, I found one of your pigeons. I'll meet you on the roof. And Joey's like, okay. And then we see that light from Joey's go out and it pans up and there are two guys waiting on the roof. Yeah. And I and, was like, oh, shit. And, and the score at that point, the way it like comes to this climax, like, holy shit, what's about to happen? Again, I was on the edge of my seat and from the And what's start. about to happen is Joey's about to get thrown off the roof. Yeah. So he dies. Yeah. So right out the gate, we got action. <laughs> we got stuff going on. And yes. that really kind of sets up like the crux of the rest of the movie because mm-hmm. you have Eva Marie's uh, character, uh, Edie, Edie Doyle. Mm-hmm who is Joey's Joey's younger sister. And it's, you know, her coming back and you have her crying over the body and you have the priest um, who comes up to comfort her. And I think I wrote down the line she says, oh, yes, father, I think his name is Father Barry. But he comes over and she's crying over Joey's body. And he says, you know, I'll be in the church if you need me. And she says, you're in the church if I need you. Did you ever hear of a saint hiding in a church? Yeah. And I was immediately like, I love Edie. And I love the writing. You tell him. But <laughs> that, all again, they set up the like, kind of the cool thing about this is that we set up our characters at the same time as we get the inciting incident that will like forward their character arc. Mm-hmm. There's no like get to know this character. Now this thing happens. Now they change. It's like we're getting them the moments. It's when in a they're five minute change. scene. Yeah. Like it's so well because Joey's executed. death is what's going to start having Terry really question his role. Mm-hmm. It's what has Edie like now fighting for something and her fighting for something is going to put her in contact with Terry, which will both change Mm -hmm. both of them. And Edie's comment to Father Barry is what makes him start actually taking an active role in his community. Edie really is the crux of this entire plot. Like she is the motivating force, whether she knows it or not. Yeah. Because as you said, she is what Terry has to fight for to be better for. Mm -hmm. And that... uh, I don't know. I really, really, I am a sucker with this sort of thing where you have just like one shining character that's able to pull everyone else up. Like, I don't know. I love that sort of, it's not a redemption, but kind of a redemption story. But at the same time, it's not, you don't just have Edie as like this kind of like faceless, Mm -hmm. just character. Like she is a character and she's got like her own shit that she's struggling with. And like, I, yeah, I, I like that so much. Yeah, it was great. So we learn that Terry didn't think that Joey was going to be killed. He was like, I thought they were going to lean on him. Yeah. Oh, and I kind of oh, wanted to be like, Terry. Don't be so naive. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like almost that kind of thing is what has helped him be okay with it so far. Yeah. He's like, eh, I just thought I was going to have him roughed up a little bit. I didn't know I was going to have him killed. Yeah. He's like, I didn't realize that, like, that's what was going to happen. And then he's also having to be faced with, like, the consequences of that when he sees Mm -hmm. Edie. And because of his role, 
the you know the bosses running the docks are now like oh we'll put you in the loft area which apparently is like kind of the cushy job yeah well okay so fun aside in one of the supply chain classes i had to take my professor showed this movie as an example of break bulk freight (laughs) which means nothing to any of us but you i know it's fine it's all of the freight like the scene with the irish whiskey is the scene that we watch which we will talk about we will but it's like all the different pieces that have to be unloaded one by one and it's really dangerous and really corrupt and all that so anyway i'm I had seen that like a one. I thing. like this professor though. Like, <laughs> good for that professor. Yeah, um, it was in an one of my HR class, classes, we watched amazing. the Hot Fuzz clip. Just a side note there. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so this is where we kind of get to see because I personally had like no idea how mm-hmm. like longshoremen worked. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is kind of where we get that setup where you have all the longshoremen and like their jackets. Also, just want to say the costuming. I loved and the way they have Terry kind of set apart with that checkered jacket, mm-hmm. which looks like the coziest thing in the world. It does. Well, I mean, it's cold. Right. It's very cold. It's supposed to be winter, I think. Which I think yeah. helps with them shooting on location because mm-hmm. in all of the scenes where they're outside, everyone's like hunched a little bit and you can, yeah. you really get the idea that it is cold. It's not acting so much as reacting to exactly, <laughs> exactly very what's realistic. going on. Um, and while ev- they're all kind of like milling around waiting to see like mm-hmm. who's going to get called to work that and day because they're talking not guaranteed- about the shape up right there where the uh, union bosses are like, okay, here are your tokens yes, to go work. Exactly. Today. Because yeah. they're not guaranteed work. Like literally you would show up and see if you got called and see mm-hmm. if there was enough that needed to be unloaded for you to work that day. And the union bosses are the ones in charge of that. So like they're not, worried about this fairly you hear one guy who's like i have three kids i have Mm -hmm. to feed and like i've i've been out here the past like however many days and haven't gotten anything so it's very corrupt oh yeah and they're very like those bosses are very much taking advantage of these people who don't really have another option because if you piss off the bosses then you're not going to get work which means you can't feed your family Mm -hmm. so like the whole time everyone knows that shit's going down and you have like the reporter talking to people and he wants people to testify to the waterfront commission but like if they do, like, they're kind of, like, they're fucked. They're and that's what happened. Yeah. That's what happened to Joey. Like, Joey died because mm-hmm. he was going to talk to the testify. Yeah. And you also have this heartbreaking part where we're introduced to Edie and Joey's father, uh, Pop, and he gives this other character Joey's jacket because he's like, you know, you need Joey a new jacket. Need Joey doesn't need it anymore. And it's like this heartbreaking practicality. Mm-hmm. Um, what's that other character's name? It's like uh, Brannigan? Uh, no, it starts with a D. Um, D- Dugan. Dugan, that's it. Wow. Yeah. Way for me to just reach for the most Irish thing I can think of. <laughs> um, but no, I really like that. That scene in particular, I think, was a very good example of the directing chops in this film. Because mm-hmm. the way that they had everybody blocked and the way they switched between um, – the variety of shots and the angles of shots was like really effective. Oh, and they used so, so many good close-ups. They in did. This too. That's oh. the thing. I, like, quite frankly, some of the medium shots I was just kind of eh with with this film. But where it shown, like shown, was the where they shown the film shown cinematography. Anyway, the close-up shots were yes. where where it was at. Oh, but, absolutely. That and then the very far heavily angled exactly. ones. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I. Especially loved the de- the decision where they throw the tokens out because one of the union bosses is getting overwhelmed and it's just like, here, go get your tokens. Yeah. And then the pandemonium between like the low angles of the shots, all of and the Evie, actors Evie's moving. there and Evie mm-hmm. runs and gets a token for her dad because she's like, here, I know you need that. Like, I, I know you need this because yeah. her, her dad and I, we never see Edie's mom. So I don't know if she's like still in the picture or not, but like her parents basically have like struggled and struggled and struggled to send her to a school so that she can become a teacher. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, like out in the country. Yeah. It's like out in the country. It's out in the city. Yeah. It gives, gives her kind of like a respite from all of this and like a real opportunity to like go and do something and be able to support herself. Mm-hmm. So, which is why later when her father knows that she's hanging around with Terry, he's super pissed. Well, he's, it's not that even that he's pissed. He's just concerned. He's like really concerned because he's like, Terry's not a good guy. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, he's in with the mob bosses and like, we're like, you need to go back to school. Like you need to become a teacher because like, this is your out. 
Yes. And she doesn't take it, though. Well, here's the thing, though. She stays because she's like, I want to find out what happened to Joey. And she never says that she's not going to go back at some point. So, like, I I feel like... Well... I feel like reasonably she could still go back and become a teacher and... But do you think she's going to? Maybe. Like, it never says that she isn't. Like, she never says that she isn't. So, like... I really hope at the end of... Like, I hope that is what happens, but we don't actually I feel like Edie totally would, because clearly she is able to come back into the city sometimes, and then she could just, like, if she wanted to, then she could just move back Mary Terry at the end and, like, be a teacher at a school there and, like, do good things for her community. Hey, so it's I'm here chance. for that reading. I, that's I what I want no to happen. That's what I've decided. That's your backstory that you've added. <laughs> yes, that is that is my my um, postscript yep. that I'm adding in my head to this movie. So bef- before we really got that scene there, though, we did get some establishing like plot with the uh, father Barry. Yes, because he um, also shows he up was at, at the, the shape up yeah mm-hmm. um and so he found all the folks that were not given work and it's like come to the church we're gonna talk about this and we're gonna make it happen which i'm kind of like oh oh you poor naive soul <laughs> i i liked barry so much because somebody called him out on his bullshit and he uh-huh. immediately took action to correct it granted yeah. does he understand the nuances of this community and this issue at first no Oh, absolutely not. But well, he's going to try and do something. True. But I would... Uh, and I he don't changed, know. he kind of changes his tactics a little bit later. Like, he's still, like, going to support them. But, it, like, after that first meeting fails and you have, you know, friendlies, men showing up and beating people mm-hmm. as they leave, you know, he's he's not like, okay, well, let's meet again next week. <laughs> yeah. He's like, okay, Dugan, let's let's go in on this together. Yeah, he's and, like, and I will support you if you want to testify because, like, this is just going to keep happening. Mm-hmm. Well, and to to focus in a little bit on that scene between Dugan and Father Barry, like Father Barry's delivery there was superb. So uh, the actor Carl Malden, who who played him, like, oh my goodness, he's I'm so good. he's really really great in that scene in particular. But I mean, overall, so. Yeah did want to call that out as well as again, some really nice close-ups in that scene. Mm -hmm. So, but in like the whole thing with Dugan and, um, father Barry is it's like, yeah, it's dangerous for one, for somebody to like go against the mob. But at the same time, like somebody has to go against the mob. Like people like Johnny friendly Mm -hmm. have power because people have let them have power. And people have let them accumulate it and people are letting them hold it. And I think that's kind of like what this movie is about. It's like somebody's going to have to do it. And yeah, it's dangerous and and it's it's rough and it's scary. (laughs) But like somebody, somebody has to make that move. And if Mm -hmm. one or two people can make that move, then they can get everyone to come with them. Then that corruption fails. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely does. So. We get a couple uh, finally like an introduction coming out of that meeting with Terry and Edie where they he walks her home and they he helps her get out of the church safely. Mm-hmm. And it's just so sweet. And I like from that point forward, I was just like, yes, there came chemi- Brando, perfect Brando and Saints chemistry is amazing. And apparently I was reading a little bit up on Kazan and he was big on casting. Mm-hmm. He was like, if you get the right people. That's mm-hmm. 90% of your job done right there. And he was also big on using a lot of lesser known actors or unknown mm-hmm. actors and stuff because he was like a lot of those big name like people. Like Eva Marie. <laughs> exactly. He was like a lot of the big name people, like they're not super well trained. They've developed bad habits. They have like mm. kind of a set way to do stuff and, and it's harder. And now you can't change the way they do stuff. Yeah. So he's like, if you, if you want them to do something that's outside of their comfort zone, it's harder to get them to do it and to do mm-hmm. it well. I like God that casting the casting really is like <laughs> I cannot think of better casting because yeah. like Brando's so good, even Marie Saint's so good, their chemistry is so good. She's so like forceful in a like a very effective, like likable way. Like you are very much on Edie's side. Mm-hmm. And then Brando's so charming and like you get this vibe, you're like, he's not a bad guy. He's a guy who's in he's found himself in a bad situation. Potentially a little bit dim yes. <laughs> which is fine he, he's been knocked out a couple times <laughs> exactly i mean they, they did a really like heavy-handed job of making sure we knew he was not the smartest person no. but he is still extremely lovable yeah and i do want to talk about the the first scene we get with him raising pigeons on the roof with the um the two kids mm-hmm. um oh, what is the name of the golden 
um, Warriors, Golden Warriors. That's it. Um, and I loved how they were able to show this other side to Terry's character. Yeah, because he's, he's taking care of Joey's pigeons. Exactly. There's like immediately, I like that there is guilt that isn't necessarily just based on the fact that he like likes Edie. Uh-huh. Like, yes, he also likes Edie, but he also just intrinsically feels guilt mm-hmm. over what happened to Joey. Yeah. And so beyond that, too, just the fact that he is here. Well, and I, the one interaction that I'm remembering specifically is where he's kind of like joking with the one kid where he's like, oh, you think you're a tough guy, whatever, whatever. And it's like he's kind of being a mentoring father figure type person to these kids who mm-hmm. I'm again, I am making wild assumptions here. But given where they are in the city, like I feel like that is an important like role to fill. Oh, yeah. So, again, lots of assumptions, but makes me like Terry a whole hell of a lot. <laughs> yeah. And so Edie gets to see all this as well, which is, I, I think, one of the reasons why she actually agrees to go with him to the bar and have a drink, mm-hmm. <laughs> which that whole scene was fantastic. There's a lot of back and forth close ups and oh, oh my yes. God, it was so good. So she's never drunk before. Terry starts her off with a shot <laughs> yeah. and a beer chaser. <laughs> I'm guaranteeing you that that was not a shot of good whiskey. Oh, no, 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 no. Um, and so they're talking about his past and how he was an orphan and went to a children child children child's home. I was gonna say though, was the first sorry, this is a side note. Was the first thing you ever shot was that good alcohol? Probably not. Was the first thing you took a shot of? Good question. I have no clue. I know what mine was. I mine was Fedka. A plus. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> and my face, I'm pretty sure. Was probably the same expression that was on Edie's. It was like, what did I just have? (laughs) Regretting instantly. No, I think the first drink I had was a Long Island iced tea. No, I didn't say first drink. I said first shot. Hey, but after the first drink, I don't remember. (laughs) (laughs) It was a Long Island iced tea after all. It was multiple shots of multiple things. Um, But anyway, um, all of a sudden there's a wedding. Edie's like, I need to get out. But she gets like lost in the crowd. And Terry's being very protective in like not an overbearing way no it's like she gets lost in the crowd and then kind of finds her way back to the edge because it's a very rowdy wedding oh yeah um but looks like it was a ton of fun (laughs) exactly but and terry's just like there, kind of waiting for her and then helps her go around the side Mm -hmm. like yeah he's yeah there's like a protective nature to their relationship but not in an overbearing or invasive way or creepy way at all because like it could have been there was only one thing that happened with their relationship that i had a problem with and that's much later in the film oh i had i think it might have been the same spot it's probably the exact same spot um but yeah so they end up crashing this wedding which cracks me up and they're just like they're so happy they're so sweet together i know and Again, as you brought up earlier, some of the shot mixture and then even the framing in this particular part of the set where they're shooting through doorways and the one shot that I loved, it was when they were still drinking their beers, but they had Edie in profile in the foreground out of focus and then the focus on yep. Terry. And that scene was just so great. Yes. So I, again, like seeing the intensity of like Terry's emotion or kind of like it's weird. He walked this line between having a stony face, but you could tell there was emotion under it, which I think I, I mentioned this in the from here to eternity thing yeah. with um, uh, the captain's wife, mm-hmm. where it's like you can tell something's going on. But that there are walls there. Exactly. Yeah. I The the close ups, too, especially in that scene with them at the bar and then with them dancing at the wedding, mm-hmm. I, it made I give us like an intimacy with the characters which I felt like yeah. made us very invested in them and their mm-hmm. relationship as people. And like, I, yeah, I, I love We want it. you to succeed now. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I adore both of you. You're just so precious. You're too good for this world. Edie has a line. It's much earlier in the film, but she just says like, shouldn't everybody care about everybody else? And I was like, Edie, you are too good for everyone. Just go back to your school and leave. <laughs> but at the same time, it's like, yeah, that line sounds a little naive, but like, she also understands that that's not the case. Yeah. Like I never, I never felt like, Edie was like horribly naive or anything because yeah. I was like she she has these ideals and like she knows what's right and it frustrates her that that's not what's happening yeah. and well that's again the motivating factor for yeah. I think everything that her character does yeah so. which and then that kind of like drive and that uh, conviction is what gets Father Barry kind of actually working in his parish exactly. and being on the docks and being around the people mm-hmm. and it's what gets 
you know, that combined with like the guilt over Joey really gets Terry like examining his role and being like, Mm -hmm. is it worth it? And drives one of my favorite lines from the wedding scene where uh, uh, Terry has received a subpoena and Edie is pissed that he will not go and do it. And she ends with, I expected much. No, he says, what more do you want me to do? And she says, much more, much, much, much more. And that's again. She has the best lines. So again, the delivery was so good, and it's like it was such a good response because, like, with Terry's whole thing, it's like, yeah, sure, he now has come to a place where he's like, yeah, I know I'm, I'm recognizing that I'm involved in something bad, and like, yeah, Mm -hmm. it sucks, but like, what am I supposed to do? I'm just one guy, and And she's like, like, don't be an idiot. Yeah, and Edie's like, you can do something. (laughs) Like, like, yes, I'm going to have this expectation of you to do more because you can Mm -hmm. and i just that was oh that line was so good her delivery is so good brando's reaction is so So good good. oh and then the decision to immediately place the scene where friendly confronts terry about dugan's testimony was such a good decision he had sent terry to the meeting specifically Uh to spy yeah yeah and um it came down to oh you're just being a really bad mole um but also, apparently, he got a copy of what Dugan had written to the Crime Commission. And so... It was very detailed. Very, very, very detailed. And so, again, the fact that it's like, all right, you're still involved with this. You need to do much, much, much more. Well, and he's leaning on Charlie. Like, mm-hmm. uh, Friendly's leaning on Charlie. So then Charlie's leaning on Terry. And it, Terry, I think, like, maybe doesn't quite grasp the amount of danger that puts him into. Because he's mm-hmm. like, I went to the meeting and, like... I didn't see anything happen. Like, I told you what I saw. Like, I don't, like, why is this an issue? And Charlie's like, it's, like, it's a big issue. Like, this is, this is dangerous for you. Therefore, it's dangerous for me. Like, all that stuff. Also, and they never, you get, like, one shot later that kind of portrays this. But in general, Mm -hmm. they don't super lean into it. And I don't think that they had to because this really is, it's, Terry's story and Edie's story and Father Barry's story. Like, it's those character stories. Um, But the fact that Friendly is able to get those transcripts means that there are people much higher than Friendly who are in on this corruption. Oh, yeah. Which, like, obviously. Well, The the corruption's never that local. Is it that they're much higher or they just have some just high enough person to get a copy of that report? Uh, Yeah, that too. But there is a shot later in the movie. And I'll go ahead and talk about it now because it doesn't really tie into Mm -hmm. anything else after kind of everything's gone down and Friendly's syndicate's broken. You have that shot of, like, the very wealthy guy in the office. Oh, that's right. Oh, my God. Yeah, at his house. And he's like, if Friendly calls, I'm not here. Yeah. Oh, oh my gosh. So okay. it's, it's whoever Friendly's boss I didn't connect those two dots, which is shocking considering I was sober and well-rested when I watched this. <laughs> which I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> I watched this movie less than 12 hours ago, so these are fresh reactions, and I got not a lot of sleep. <laughs> Sometimes those are the best reactions, yeah. though. Oh my gosh. Okay, my mind was just blown there. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. I needed that. Anytime. Um <laughs> So after the confrontation between Friendly and Terry is when we get the Irish whiskey scene and mm-hmm. the extremely powerful speech by pa- Father Barry. So before that, we've come to realize that Terry's been put back down in the hold. He's helping this unload this Irish for whiskey. For not being a good mole. Exactly. And so Irish whiskey is very heavy. They're Wait, winching what? it up. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, surprise. <laughs> it's only light after you've drunk the bottle. Ah, yeah. okay. Yeah. So um, the way that they built up the suspense in this scene, I really appreciated. So we know that Dugan's down in the hold unloading this Irish whiskey. He's pilfering a little bit, which, fun fact, was a major economic issue for shippers prior to containerization of freight. Anyway, okay, dropping some wait, supply wait. chain knowledge. But how major? Was it just the shippers being like... It was significant. Like, oh, okay. between the mob bosses squeezing them for unreasonable unload rates to the men stealing the shit on the boats like oh, it was yeah. a big issue <laughs> i honestly though i cannot begrudge dugan his irish whiskey i mean i can't either so, especially considering what happens next yeah. so you get a mix of shots of the winch operators like giving the like knowing looks there's like and nods. there's like signals happening like and we don't we don't know at building. first what it means well we can guess what it means but like we just know that they're like people are signaling people exactly and so they're building up to this giant pallet of whiskey getting 
hoisted up. And, and we're then, the shot of the whiskey palette, it's like very much like we're under, under the it. palette. Exactly. Like exactly under the palette where Dugan would be. It's like mm-hmm. Dugan's perspective. And then all of a sudden they let it down, it catches an edge, and it collapses. Well, and Dugan. we see it start to collapse from underneath, and then it immediately cuts to like an extreme downward shot of Dugan's expression. And then we yeah. just see the shadow of the crash. Ugh, it oh, was, it was so well constructed. Beautifully done. And then it comes to probably my favorite Father Barry scene. Mm-hmm. And I think, oh, what was it? My favorite line is, that's a crucifixion. Yes, he's giving this speech to the workers being like, we all know what just happened here. And like, it's wrong. And brings up the fact that this is because he wanted to talk to the yeah. commission. And and he is like making parallels to the Bible because he is a priest. So, of course, but he's saying like, you know, <laughs> this is a crucifixion. This is somebody standing up for what's right and being punished for it. And they're standing up, you know, to the man and all that stuff. And he says, you know, it all it takes is a small group. Mm-hmm. That's all it took with like the disciples is exactly. like a small group and you can bring like you can threaten Rome mm-hmm. like it's well and the way they ended his speech is he is rising triumphantly well, out of the but the, of the whole ship. time the the mob bosses so he's talking to the guys in the hold uh-huh. you have the mob boss watching. henchmen watching and they're throwing like shit at him mm-hmm. oh that's yes sorry I totally and he's glossed continuing over that. to talk and mm-hmm. it's it made me like I was already kind of where I'm like, oh, I I like Father Barry, but like this scene, I was like, I love Father Barry. Now he's committed. He is, he is walking the walk at this point. Mm-hmm. Like he's like, you know, Edie called him out on it. Since when does a saint ever hide in a church? You know what? They don't. If he's gonna go actually do his job and like be there for his parishioners, then oh, and he's going to. Have there was take something this. about like someone said, "Go back to your church," and he flat out said, "This is my church." And that I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, Father Barry, man, it was he. We're too good for top him. Top ten clergymen um, in film. I hear about. You mean top one? I'm I'm saying top ten. I don't know where he ranks in that top ten, but there are some good ones. I'm trying to think of more beyond like Bing Crosby. Yeah, he's a good one. He's a good one. He's not this good though. He's not this good. He didn't affect this much no. change. I mean, he affected <laughs> people's hearts with song, but. Please listen to our episode going my way. I really wish that he had been cast and he just went and sang to Boss Friendly. And that made him have a change (laughs) of heart. Boss Friendly was like, (laughs) you're right, singing priest. Oh, my goodness. Okay. No, just no. But in that scene as well, we got some really interesting knowing shots of like Edie and Terry exchanging glances that they're like, okay, we're in on this too, which was a major relief that it's like, okay everybody's on board the people i care about are about to fight this machine and it's great but like i said the scene with father barry being hoisted out of the ship triumphantly like mm-hmm. that was super powerful and like seeing him from underneath well, and just and oh, so uh, good. pop is sitting on it too holding once again joey's jacket Yes, which, which he gives it to Edie, and I was like, oh, shit, now Edie has the jacket. Is she going to die next? Were you like, is it a death jacket, like the death boots yes, and All Quiet exactly. on the Western Front? That's exactly what I was worried about. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, what did... What yeah, did I'll I take a jacket it? that's been on one dead man, but two... Uh, it's, that's that's starting chances to be Chances I'm not a, willing to take. Yeah, a pattern. Um, but, I, yeah, they're sitting on that thing rising up, and I like that uh, Pop just offers him a cigarette, the Father Barry a cigarette, just silently. And then we have this scene with Father Barry and Terry. So Terry has decided that he wants to do what's right. But again, it's going to be hard. It's going to be scary. And he's talking to Father Barry about it. He's like, I want to talk to you about this. Because he also wants to talk about the fact that he's the one who got Joey on that roof. Yeah. he's And he tells Father Barry, he's like, I thought they were going to lean on him. I didn't know that was what, what was going to happen. But like, I, I feel horrible. Mm-hmm. And like, I want to do something. And Father Barry's like, you need to tell Edie. Which he does not want to do, understandably. But at the same but time, the, Father Barry's right. Yeah. He's like, you can't, like, obviously there's something going on with the two of you. And, like, you have to tell her. And so I'm getting chills thinking about the scene where he does. It is so brilliant. Because it's, you see Father Barry, view, like, watching from near-ish there, the like church a or a park yeah. or something. And Edie and Terry are down kind of closer to the water. And... You get this close up. Well, it starts with farther shots and we just see mm -hmm. them talking and then it goes into close ups and 
there's a whistle starting. So you can't really hear what they're saying. It's all ship noises and yeah. all of that from the docks that is overwhelming any other sound. And, and you it's can kind so of, you like, stressful. there is definitely a dialogue there uh-huh. because you can hear, but you can't always make it out. And it's so much just close ups on their facial expressions, but the angles are like off angles and very sharp angles. And it's so good. And Edie obviously is super upset. And her reaction is. Again, superb. Like I, I was reading something on her performance where it was like she was bringing back realistic acting when melodrama was still kind so, of a thing. Kazan was a huge part of the um, method acting movement mm-hmm. and helped set up like the artist studio and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the actors he worked with were very much like method actors. Like Brando was a big method actor and yeah. everything, which I have some thoughts on method acting. And- well, whatever method you use, I it's fine. But her reactions were – I they were perfect. Yes, like, yes perfect (laughs) yeah yeah every time that she i thought that like the very emotional moments she carried very well they never they were never overly emotional Mm -hmm. it was i was always like yeah that is exactly the reaction that a person would have in this situation right it's not like our our trapezist in uh (laughs) the greatest show on earth (laughs) who never had a real reaction that entire film um (laughs) bless her heart um so yeah that that scene again expertly constructed and it was so effective so So beautiful um also i'm gonna recommend anyone watching this movie just watch it with all the lights off i mean you can also not and it's still good but like it just i it gives you like the contrast and the lighting (laughs) so well that is actually like my perfect way of watching movies with all the lights off it makes writing uh podcast notes a little tough in some of the stuff i wrote i cannot read well you know it's it's, it's there for reference not for (laughs) for permanence But yeah, I'm just also that was nonsensical. This Sorry, is a, this is a good one to watch. Oh, late in the dark, or just in the dark. It doesn't have to or be late. <laughs> anyway, so that don't really know if they're going to recover from that scene because I think we were kind of rooting for them to become a thing because they were so perfectly matched. But again, Edie for good reason is really pissed. Yeah, like she runs off, obviously. But we then get to understand that Terry is going to be working with the the crime commission scene on the roof where the commission officer is like hey you're gonna come talk to us and he's like okay fine so that's where we get the charlie stuff yes so that's when we start we've had a couple scenes with mr friendly um but this is when we get the main one where it's come to his attention (laughs) that terry is considering talking yeah my question around that was like did that kid fucking rat well i mean he was subpoenaed like i know at the same time i'm like you kind of have like i you're not the kid might have the kid fucking killed all his pigeons the kid's a psychopath i that kid i wanted to be like terry was a good role model for you and you killed the pigeons yeah so whoever the rat was of course friendly knows Mm -hmm. (laughs) and so that's when it comes down to charlie to try and set him straight and that's when we get the scene in the car where you get the famous line and charlie's basically charlie's been told you have until this, like, take him to the, the spot where they're basically going to, like, kill people. Yeah. And Charlie's like, I can convince him. He's like, okay, well, you have until you get there to convince him. So there, Charlie's in the car with Terry. Terry gives his whole contenda speech. I will never say the ER on that word ever. It's, well, you shouldn't. But the soundtrack here and the lighting mm-hmm. and the shots. And the acting. We're just all... I, I, I can't imagine it being because better. Because Terry, for the most part, is like, oh, I'm chatting in a car with my brother. And Charlie is clearly, it's a Rod Steiger, I think is the actor, but he is so, so stressed and so panicked, but like trying to keep it together, trying to talk to Terry logically. And then finally, at one point... He just pulls a gun. Well, he, Terry's, he's like, you have until we reach this point to change your mind. And pulls that gun on Terry. And he's like, just like change your mind change your mind just do do it it. like and he's like you know they they want to kill you and terry's like kind of he doesn't laugh at him but i liked that his reaction isn't like oh my god he pulled a gun on me it's more like like, you're not gonna shoot me well it's like hurt like he's he's just like i can't like can't believe you pulled a gun on me well and he already and that's why he goes into the speech because he's like i've already sacrificed everything for you yeah and you're wanting me to do this as well like ridiculous like, like I'm done. Like, I've done so much, and what do I have to show for it? Like, I'm a bum. Mm-hmm. And Charlie ends up letting him out of the car. And that's when they pull out to 
the, the shot to the driver who's like giving Charlie a look. And literally my note is, ah, fuck Charlie. Yeah. So. Oh, no. The, he's like, take me to so-and-so. And the taxi cab makes a hard right and goes in, under into a garage. And we see some of the goons sitting around. And we're like. Well, we know what's about to happen. Charlie. See you, Charlie. Oh, and so now is the scene where I'm thinking we had issues with their relationship. <laughs> yeah. So uh, Terry is distraught and is like trying to come to Edie and be like, okay, let's just go. Let's do it. Whatever. I'm going to testify. Yeah, because that, that that was like his hard decision. Like beforehand, he was like, I I think I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Y'all go talk to them. But then like the conversation with Charlie makes him be like, yeah, no, I'm, I'm doing this. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's when he gets his conviction. And that's when um, – Edie's like, no, I don't want to talk yeah, to you. Go like, away, go away. And he fucking breaks into her like He flat. breaks down the door. <sighs> and then, okay, this is the part where I was like actually pissed. He kisses her into submission. Like what? Yeah. Because that's how relationships work? No. no. <laughs> like, that, that was the one issue I had with their relationship. But I'm also like, it, it's not weird for the character. You know what I mean? Like it's. It's in line with the character, but I'm still disappointed. It's in line with the character. It's in line with the time. But I was like, don't. I mean, hey, we've talked about this multiple times. Oh, it's, not the, last entire... it's not the last time we're going to talk about it oh, again. No, 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 I know no. of at least one other Best Picture winner where something similar happens. Yeah. And well, guess what? It's also a movie that I absolutely <laughs> love. But that one part makes me be like, mm. Well, it's the one part doesn't age well, but the rest does. Yeah. Which, quite frankly, for the rest of the relationship to age well is Oh, yeah. Kind that's of the, that is surprising. literally. And so, honestly... That one bit might be the only issue I have with this movie. Yeah, I'd agree. I think it's the only issue, and it's just with the concept of it, because the execution and the shots and the score are all really good around it. Yeah, but the concept's shit, so can't start there. But it immediately rolls into this beautiful parallel scene to the very beginning scene, because you have people outside yelling, hey, Terry, just like he was yelling, hey, Joey. And I wanted to be like, don't go. I mean, don't go. he was an idiot. They're, they're like, like your brother wants to talk to you. And I'm like, don't go. And Edie's like, don't go. <laughs> and he's like, I'm going to go. And we're like, and she's like, God don't damn go. it. <laughs> so, but we, but they're beautiful, beautiful shots. And the way they built suspense was yes. masterful. Mm-hmm. So you have Terry walking out of Edie's flat. Edie's got, cause she was in like her nightgown. So she's got, um, her jacket like slung over mm-hmm. her nightgown. She's kind of following him, but not going with him. And she reaches the bottom of the stairs. And this woman who had actually said something at the beginning of the film when Joey, Joey died, where she was like, she was like, yeah, my husband fell off that roof five years ago, just like that. She comes to the door and she's like, that's how they got my husband, basically. Like, that was the same thing. And Edie's just like, fuck me. <laughs> and she goes for it because Edie's a badass. Yeah, so Edie discovered. goes after him. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the the shot that they have of him walking down the alley where it's lit from the far end of the alley oh and God. he's like in this really stark shadow. So effective. Uh, Again, that's, that's like my top word of this episode apparently beautiful. is that it's just everything that they did with the cinematography and lighting was effective to it was a crazy stunning. degree. Absolutely stunning. Um. And so, again, the soundtrack is a throwback to the beginning as well. So they're building up this suspense where we're like, okay, what's about to go down? Because we know how it ended in the, the beginning. Yeah. So we're, we're, we're worried for Terry. Like we honestly at this point, like I I knew because it had literally just happened that Charlie yep. was in trouble. But more than anything, I was worried for Terry. Mm-hmm. And so we cut to the opposite side of Terry. We see Edie and them walking and you see the truck come up behind them mm-hmm. and they barely make it out from behind the truck. So yeah, that was like they, the first they run, char- or they run. He breaks Terry. a window, opens a door. Yeah. And then we get the thing. reveal on Charlie mm-hmm. who is hung up by his jacket on the wall with, and with the freight hook mm-hmm, with gunshot wounds in his chest. Mm-hmm. So that reveal. And I, God, Brando's reaction was so good. Like, oh, it was perfect. He's sad. He's like starting to cry, but he just pulls him down. And the shot of him walking with his brother down the alley at the end of that whole sequence was heart-wrenching. Yeah. <laughs> but this is when he decides he's actually just going to straight go after Friendly. So he gets the gun that Charlie has. Mm-hmm. He's got his like horribly bleeding hand from where he broke that window to save him mm-hmm. and Edie. And he goes into like the bar where Johnny Friendly uses as like his headquarters. And he's like sitting there and they're like johnny's not here and he's like well then i'll wait for him 
And he's like not really holding the people hostage, but like kind uh, he basically of holding is. The he's like, hostage. don't move. Yeah. And then um Father Barry comes and he's basically trying to talk him down. And at first I was like, Father Barry, don't get in the middle of this. But he's got no, amazing I point. I am so glad. I that am he, too. Well, my note there is like, Father's here, good on you, Edie. Because I'm I'm yes. sure Edie was the who oh, brought yeah. him in. Because didn't she showed up in that scene too, right? Or was it just I don't Father think Barry? She shows up. I think it's just Father Barry because his whole thing is he's like talking Terry down and he's like, sure, you can come in here. You can shoot it friendly. You can try and get friendly. Whether or not you get friendly, you will definitely die. And then they get to claim self-defense. He's like, that's not going to actually fix the larger issue. Yeah. Like, if you want to take him down, you go and you testify. Mm-hmm. That is how you get these types of people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's the the way that, well, one, I really loved the give me a beer, make it to <laughs> sort of sequence. But the ending shot on friendly uh, friendly's photo on the wall and Terry throwing the gun and shattering it was like, okay, awesome. Yeah. We're about to get into the iconoclast moments of this film. <laughs> <laughs> but so then we go to the testimony in front of the mm-hmm. um, commissioner. And again, I just want to highlight this detail in the costuming because I do think the costuming all around was incredible because mm-hmm. the way they set the longshoremen apart from the goons with like the styles of their coats and stuff mm-hmm. like that, the way they set Terry apart with his plaid jacket is amazing. His blazer has a little rip in the back. To right, sh- again, where the hook like, was. Well, and like, yeah, because it was Charlie's. Yeah. Ugh. And it's, the way it ties together is just so it, good. The, the idea that like, again, like, these are poor people. Like, he mm-hmm. he doesn't have a nice jacket of his own. Mm-hmm. He's just there because so they subpoenaed him. And yeah, then, so he borrows his brother's jacket and tie. Yeah. Well, and it's almost like this is the outward scar of the emotional toll that his brother yeah. dying has yeah, taken. It, so like I was it, so brilliant. Heavy like, on the symbolism. Honestly, like that got me. They like really got me. Oh. <laughs> I mean, understandably. Yeah. Now this whole courtroom scene was quite interesting to me because you have all of the peanut gallery like laughing at all of the testimony that the mob bosses are giving, like, oh, we were broken into and how all of our books were they're stolen. They're like somebody broke okay. in and stole just your finance books. And they're like, yeah. And the prosecution's like, okay, whatever you say. I'm calling bullshit. They're like, but. obviously, this is not correct. <laughs> um, but we finally do get Terry's testimony. And the questions were really simple. Like, that, I kind of appreciated that it was like, did Friendly do this? Did Friendly do this? And it was like, yes or no. Mm-hmm. And unimpeachable sort of, like, you can't have a gray area in those questions. Yeah. So um, I really appreciated that. And the way that Friendly, like, exited the courtroom was perfect because he gets so pissed mm-hmm. and up in Terry's face and they have to like separate them and he's like you will never work yeah anywhere again basically he's like you're not gonna work in the east coast it was what from New York to um I thought it anywhere New Orleans or yeah something, that, was it. that was I, it. I mean it was like mostly east coast i was basically like time for you guys to go to san fran <laughs> like yeah exactly get out which Edie's um, straight up is like we can go to the midwest she's like there's plenty of stuff you can do because he's <laughs> he's gonna show up he's like i'm going yeah. to show up and Edie's like that's super dangerous bro <laughs> maybe don't we could just like go to Leave. the midwest i'll be a teacher you can be a farmer she's like we go the he's like i don't want to farm she's like, okay well west coast there's ships there like she's like we'll figure something out yeah. like it's it's doable it's mm-hmm. survivable but this whole scene, this is when we see that all of the pigeons have been killed, which, again, that kid's that a kid, damn psychopath. I swear to God. Um, which, and I love Terry's reaction to it. He's like, he was just like, why would he do that? Like, why would he kill the yeah. pigeons? And it's just like, Terry, your soul is too mm-hmm. good. Well, and I liked, so they, they can, throughout the whole film, they were drawing a metaphor with the hawks and the pigeons. And so, like, even after Joey was killed, they were talking about how there were some must have been some hawks up there. Or, uh, I forget the exact lines, but they had these like metaphors with birds, mm-hmm. and where the pigeons were like the docile, like they're the workers, exactly. And then the hawks kept him in line. Um, and so, the fact that all of his pigeons are dead—that's like, okay, are you going to be a pigeon or are you going to be a hawk now? <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's also like Terry's super ostracized now because mm-hmm. he quote ratted, even though like honestly, that was the best thing. For the for like his his groups of yeah. I guess his people mm-hmm. for his fellow workers and but before he goes to the docks, this one line that I freaked me out is that he said he was going to go to get his rights. Now here's the thing: 
either they were his rights to work or his last rights. And I was like, I don't know which it's going to be. And I'm on the edge of my chair. <laughs> so I was like, I assumed oh, rights no. to work, but damn, <laughs> you're right. I'm like, oh no. So I was like on pins and needles this yeah. whole last scene. Yeah. So again, he shows up at the docks and the bosses are basically like, oh yeah, everyone works today except for you. They like find a, so we call Terry a bum, but they have a like stereotypical homeless person yeah. around the burning barrel that they're like, okay, you work today yeah, over Terry, which I think is basically the Because last Terry points there. out like, you still need a guy for this. And they're like, oh yeah, you're right. Hey, you over there, you want a job? And the guy's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because <actually, laughs> why not? <laughs> be great. Um, that's when Terry kind of sees there's like that little building kind of right on the water. Yeah, where the union friendly, headquarters. Yeah, the union headquarters where Friendly hangs out. And Terry's like, fuck it, I'm going down there. Which, good on him. And the the wide shot of him walking over with all of the longshoremen following was Because they're like, I want to watch this, this go down. Battle. And basically... We get the, the confrontation between Friendly and Terry. And at first I was like, Friendly, you picked a bad fight. This guy's an ex-prize fighter. Which, like, because well, Terry's getting Friendly, but, but then Friendly has friendly, goons. Exactly. Friendly's but friends. One line, I, again, the writing here... Awesome. Your guts are all in your wallet and your trigger finger. <laughs> and then they fight. And I was like, uh, I was really hoping that the longshoremen would basically overwhelm well, the goons. Well, here's what so the goons start beating up on Terry, and we like see the first few hits, but mostly we're just like hearing noises of this mm-hmm. fight behind the back of the union and headquarters. Like, you have the longshoremen or his last rights. Yeah, they're at the gangway. Ugh. Edie and Father Barry have now shown up. And Edie and Father Barry, hero moment, rush down to go help Johnny, even though none of the longshoremen mm-hmm. are. And it's like the longshoremen, after seeing Edie and Barry go, are like about to go help. But too little, too late. The goons are done beating up Terry and they come back around. And so Edie and Father Barry go back there. Terry's a bloody pulp. Then the longshoremen finally step up a bit and they're like, we don't work if Terry doesn't work. Mm-hmm. And basically, they just need Terry to stand and go into the building. And if, yes. if that happens, the reason this is important is because it now shows that Friendly no longer controls the union. Friendly mm-hmm. no longer controls the workers. So the shippers won't be dealing with Friendly anymore. And it breaks Friendly's financial power right there. Exactly. So Friendly, if if the longshore, if Terry can stand and go to work, the longshoremen go to work, then that means that Friendly is no longer in charge. Friendly is defeated. Yes. He no longer has control. So that is the like. That's why this is important because it took me a little bit where if because at first I was like, wait, why does Terry now have to stand and go in? And I was like, okay, now I understand. Yeah, it's because like, he has to go work to, for everyone to work to unload yeah. this ship of bananas to prove that Friendly um, doesn't have control. Exactly. And so you have this build up with Father Barry and Edie and the soundtrack. Like, okay, <laughs> he's on his feet. Okay, great. Yeah, they're like getting him on his feet. They get him on his feet. They're like, you he's just gotta go in. Dumbles up go this in. gangway. Which I wanted to be like, can they still assist him walking? Even though it's more beautiful if we see him pulling himself together. Oh, but it was so beautiful. The way that he stumbled up the gangway and everybody's just there like letting him is just so powerful. And then the cinematography at the very end was he walks the into the warehouse. Because you had a combination of point of view shots looking at him from the front and then like a following shot on his feet as he's stumbling and the kind of like dizzy movement within the point of view. And, and like, sometimes, are you yeah, make it? with are the point of view, stumble? it would fuzz out a bit. Exactly. And, yeah. It just put you right in his shoes mm-hmm. in and a then way that finally was you so see. Good. It's kind of a low shot from the warehouse door. You see Terry standing there. He's pulled himself together. You have the whole group of longshoremen behind him. Mm-hmm. And then he just walks forward and they all walk into the warehouse. And then the last shot, which was such schadenfreude, was... That's when you have the guy in the office. In the middle. Oh, yeah. Friendly in the of middle the of the crowd. Being like, you'll never work. I, I'll remember all of you. And it's like, you have no power. <laughs> and that's when you have the shot of the guy in the office. Mm-hmm. Saying, like, if Friendly calls him out. Oh, I thought that was during the trial because the trial was televised. Oh, maybe it was during the trial. Oh, you're he, right. It is because the trial is televised, which kind of threw me for a loop. That's the first time I think we've seen televised. a TV in one of our movies. Yeah. But anyway, friend, yeah. we know that Friendly's out. Yeah, Friendly's, friendly's over. So 
And it, the end is friendly outside of the giant roll down door after it is like slowly rolled down and shut behind all of the longshoremen. And I'm like, oh, this was beautiful. It was so good. It was so good. I was so happy with it. Like so happy with it. So yeah. I, I, yeah, again, I'm a big fan of this movie. Yeah. So I, there's one kind of last thing I want to do around the wrap up with the themes because I think it's interesting. So this is of course, again, the story of the working class kind of rising up, standing up for their rights against kind of this larger political machine. Mm-hmm. Right. Originally, they had some trouble finding people who wanted to make this because Arthur Miller, really? Arthur Miller was actually originally brought on for the screenplay. And Arthur Miller was often in trouble with HUAC, so the House on American Activities Committee. Excuse me while I roll my eyes. Uh, yeah. Let me see if I can put more derision in my voice when I say HUAC. <laughs> but um, he originally was like, they, uh, when they tried to get it made, the head of Columbia, which actually ended up making the movie, but um, a couple years later under like different writers and revisions mm-hmm. and stuff, um, was like, can you change the bad people to be communists? And Miller was like, no, because that makes zero sense. <laughs> also remember again, that- the mob, the communists don't run the goddamn shipping unions. Yeah. Like that's oh, like, what? like it, the, the mob bosses in Hoboken, New Jersey were not communists. So like it, it makes zero sense for like the story they are trying to tell. And Miller was like, no. And the guy was like, well, I think it's very interesting that you want to do like an un-American movie. And I was like, up yours, sir. But, um, cause the mob's American. Yeah. So American anyway, but they eventually, uh, Miller and Kazan, their relationship kind of cooled because Kazan was called to testify from HUAC. I think we talked about this briefly in our gentleman's agreement mm-hmm. episode. So Kazan was called to testify. He did. And he named some names. So he was then ostracized a little bit from a lot of the Hollywood community because a lot of Hollywood writers and directors were like questioned by HUAC and stuff is because, you know, as with things like HUAC and McCarthyism and that nature, they like to question the artists because the artists are the ones, you know, questioning the system and they're, that's what art does. Yeah. So people in that kind of position always hate art. They're afraid of art. Yeah. So anyway, but Kazan named names, which is kind of why I like, I, I love Kazan's directing style, but I have a hard time liking him as a person because of that. Um, But this was kind of seen because then he brings in, you know, um, another writer. They eventually get it made. Mm -hmm. And in some ways, this is seen as kind of like Kazan's personal. I I don't want to say like apology, but like, you know, it's about somebody standing up to like a political machine. And it's kind of okay. You know, like, well, but you didn't stand up to a political machine, so uh, which I mean, granted, the people who did refuse to name names for HUAC, like, here, like that, because that was a very dangerous thing for them to do career wise, Mm -hmm. and plenty of them got blacklisted for it and never worked again because of that. Like, so, like, while I don't think he did the right thing, I'm also like, I understand that it would have been very hard to do the right thing in that circumstance, yeah. but other people did. So, so why didn't you? Yeah. yeah. But anyway, I think this is kind of an example of Kazan sort of showing more of those like values and like the story of the the underdog and like the working mm-hmm. class through a movie and his art. Yeah. Even if he didn't stand up to HUAC politically. Mm hmm. Well, very interesting. Yeah. So shall we do lists? Yes, let's do lists. Would you like me to go first? Yes, or? we'll okay. have you go first. Awesome. So um, I thought this movie was quite good. Um, it is on my list in number eight. Number eight. Okay. And I'm really torn on where it should go before or after Mrs. Miniver, but I put it after Mrs. Miniver. Really? Um, and before the best years of our lives. Okay. So again – it's neck and neck between the two in terms of the cinematography and the acting. And again, I think it was funny that you actually mentioned Mrs. Miniver as one of the three films that received what, like five acting nominations. So, um, I think what edged it out there was like some of the harder hitting individual scenes. Like we Mm -hmm. had some really great one-on-one scenes in on the waterfront, but I'm just thinking about the whole ending in Miss Miniver with the, air raid in the car and the lighting between Mrs. Miniver um, and her soon-to-be daughter-in-law. 
and then the ending in the foyer too like yeah that that right there is why i'm putting it above on the waterfront best years of our lives while i think it was also well done i think on the waterfront was much tidier from a construction standpoint like mm-hmm. the plot was tidier the cinematography was tidier the soundtrack was tidier like it it, it just did it better gotcha so that's yeah so i struggled thought. with this a little bit i wasn't sure my question is around whether or not it goes before or after rebecca Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, Those are not very comparable. <laughs> no, which is why it's super hard because this felt to me a lot like The Lost Weekend. Yeah. And But I think it was better than The Lost Weekend. So I was like, it would definitely go above The Lost Weekend. But then I was like, does it then go above Rebecca? I don't yeah. know. And I, I think in the end, I am going to put it above Rebecca. It is my new number six. And that is because Rebecca is beautiful visually and everything. And the performances are amazing. I think... I think the themes are stronger with this one. Yes, Rebecca I'd doesn't agree. really have a a theme like a you know like a met like there's no real like message or lesson or theme mm-hmm. to it. Like it's it's a great movie, but it doesn't really provide any larger commentary yeah, it's on not anything. Like a David and Goliath story. It doesn't. Like yeah, it's, there's no there's no outward commentary. Mm-hmm. This has like some commentary on like actual things that happened and are you know still in i'm sure places happening like it has a realism aspect to it that mm-hmm. i really like so it is my new number six uh, before rebecca after all about eve all about eve just like the script there is so amazing and it really is. the performances again <laughs> like it, it has the same thing going for it with like performances and everything but like the dialogue and all about eve just like blows me away so yeah, yeah but i'm putting it high I mean, it's in my top 10, so. <laughs> yeah. Both of our top 10s, so. Yeah. Um, Definitely yeah. watch this one if you have Please do. I also really want to go back and watch some of the other. I need to go watch Street Name, Car Named Desire, which is another Same. Kazan Brando collaboration. Mm-hmm. And it has Vivian Lee, who I love. Also, it's a streetcar named Desire. <laughs> yeah. So, I guess that's it for On the Waterfront. Find us on social media. We are at Best Pictures Pod on uh, Instagram and Twitter. You can always email us in at bestpicturespodcast at gmail.com and uh, rate, subscribe, review, especially rate and review. That always helps us out. And I think that's it. Definitely is. So please join us next time for the 27th Best nope, Picture winner. Nope, this was 27. Ian can't count. Ian's also I looking can't. at a list well, that has the number. I to a list. That has the Let number. Let me back up. So this on the waterfront yeah. was the 27th. Yeah. So um, <laughs> the 28th best picture winner, uh-huh. Marty. <laughs> See y'all next time. Thanks for listening.